Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Well, for the first time in a really long time, we can come on and say that IU won an NCAA tournament game last night. I know it was a play-in game, but overall I thought a good performance, a continuation of some good play from this team from the Big Ten Conference Tournament. Wyoming was a solid team, a different team. I felt like IU was much better than them and should have put some separation between themselves and the Cowboys much earlier in the game than what they actually did. But it, they just kept, kept hanging, hanging around, hitting a big three-pointer here or there to stay in the ball game. But IU gets a big win. I know it's just a play-in game, but it counts. It's an NCAA tournament game. And now a big challenge ahead for this IU team a little later in the week when they take on a very good St. Mary's program. I think it is going to be an absolute battle. I think IU's playing well. I think IU can win the ball game. But uh, St. Mary's is uh, strong. There's no question about it. I saw Zach Osterman, who's with us on Mondays, uh, tweet after the game last night uh, that there is a 110 or was a 110 a.m. flight from the Dayton Airport to Portland, Oregon. He assumed that that was IU's flight which would have put him in Portland around 2.47 a.m. local time this morning in Portland. And, of course, IU plays Thursday at 4.10 local time in Portland. So you want to talk about a quick turnaround with a lot of travel, a lot of uh, hustle-bustle, that's the Hoosiers. I saw Trace uh, Trace Jackson Davis tweet earlier this morning that uh, the team had landed, and Zach said that that flight he was tracking – uh, was actually bumped back. I guess they got out of Dayton late, the charter that the NCAA provides, and uh, actually arrived around 4.17 a.m. So uh, what, a, what a turn of events it's been for, for this team, but a big win. You'll take it. Uh, and there's a lot to talk about from the ball game last night, including, I thought, a game, um, a player of the game type performance from Jordan Geronimo. He was really good. There was some concern how healthy he was, and it sounded like from Coach Woody he was going to be back. Uh, But when you see somebody in pain and and knee or lower leg, whatever it was, it was extended there a bit on that play at the Big Ten tournament, uh, you don't know if they're going to come back as they were. But he did and uh, maybe had one of his better games of the year of his career and really is a good piece for IU. If you start to think about this team, you've got obviously Trace Jackson Davis, and he is – He's good at what he's good at. There's no question about it. He is limited a little bit in scope, but he is really good at what he's good at there in the post. So Trace Jackson Davis, really consistent. Now Xavier Johnson has stepped up and adding his driving ability. Occasionally he'll knock down a shot. 
his playmaking ability as well, many possessions in the game. He's become kind of a consistent number two over the last number of games now for IU. Not just in this little streak where they've been hot, but long before that, I think. Race Thompson has been consistent with his rebounding and in most games his points. And if you could add someone like Jordan Geronimo almost as a fourth weapon, uh, even coming off the bench, that would be huge for this uh, IU team. And I think would lift him to a win later this week. I think that's a big key, having a fourth contributor. Uh, So good stuff from Geronimo last night. We'll have more on that a little bit later in the hour. And I probably need to remind you, why are we on at 10 o'clock today? Well, I'd love to have a two-hour show. I'd love to do 10 and 11 today during the NCAA tournament. There's plenty of stuff we could fill it with. But coming up at 11 o'clock on the Big X, if you're listening here on the radio, we've got Jefferson Town from Louisville. They play in the opening game of the Kentucky Sweet 16 down at Rupp Arena, which I know it's not Indiana high school basketball, but Kentucky is one class, and I love what they do there. I love this format of the Sweet 16, uh, 16 uh, final 16 teams, all the region winners from the 16 different regions across the state. Uh, they have a great, great format. I've been there many times. I won't make it down this week, it doesn't look like, but it's just a lot of fun. Uh, you get a se- an afternoon session that begins at 11 a.m. and an evening session on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Uh, then you get the semifinals and championship game. That's all in one day on Saturday. That They've changed that format. It used to be semifinals on Saturday afternoon, champion state championship game on Sunday. But uh, J-Town on at 11 th- today, so we'll, we're coming on at 10 for our uh, one hour of radio. And then we'll be back uh, at 10 o'clock on Thursday because Louisville Mail has the opening game of day two of the Sweet 16 in Louisville. So we'll be on at least today and tomorrow at 10 o'clock. If you're listening on a podcast, it it doesn't matter to you. It may come out a little earlier than it typically does, uh, but uh, it should be no big deal for you podcast listeners. And Friday, depending on the success of uh, J-Town today, we may be on early again on Friday as well. So we'll play it by ear and let you know. One other announcement I want to make before we get too far into the show today trying something new tonight so if you're a fan of high school basketball and you listen to this program make sure you follow me on twitter i know a lot of you do i hear from you on there at hoosier hills all one word at hoosier hills on twitter tonight there are these new things on twitter called twitter spaces which you can listen in you can interview people Uh, it doesn't matter who you are you can start basically a live uh uh, audio chat uh basically is what it, it comes down to And so with our busy schedule this week at the Big X, the semi-state preview show uh, that I would typically put together this week, we're going to do it as a Twitter space. And so tonight at 9 o'clock, hopefully that's late enough where you can tune in and listen uh, on Twitter. you got to find me on Twitter. Find uh, Coach Miller on Twitter. Uh, Providence coach Ryan Miller is going to be with me for uh, 30, 45 minutes tonight. We're going to talk all about – his team and the regional and what he knows about Eastern Hancock, their opponent Saturday at Seymour. We're going to cover a whole bunch of ground with him. And then later in the 9 o'clock hour, Kyle Neddenrip of the Indianapolis Star, who a lot of you I know read his stuff daily. He's with us Fridays on the show. He's going to join me kind of to talk about all the semi-states around the state and some of the better ones in the area. You know, if you're going to Seymour uh, for the Providence game, you want to make sure you get there early because that 1A game is going to be fantastic as well. And that 1A game is going to bring a boatload of people. I tell you what, it's going to be an awesome 
environment at Seymour when you have uh, the uh, Providence people and Eastern Hancock people filing in for the 3A game, the 2A game rather, and you've got a crowd there for the 1A game. That's going to be pretty awesome as well. So fun fun times ahead. There's no question about that, uh, but we'll talk with Ryan Miller tonight in the 9 o'clock hour with a Twitter space coming up. And, again, we're just experimenting with it. I don't know how it's going to go. Uh, should be pretty easy for you to locate. If you follow me on Twitter, I'll be tweeting about it all day and, Give you a link tonight on how to click into it, but if you've got the Twitter app on your phone, should be pretty simple for you to bring it up and listen to what Coach Miller, Kyle Neddenrip, and others have to say tonight. So make sure you join us for that. Let's take a look at the show lineup for today. A service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one coming up here in just a few moments. We'll uh, have some uh, headlines of the day. We'll take a look back last night, go through some key moments from the IU win over Wyoming a few other things to bring up regarding the NCAA tournament. Then later in the show, it's uh, I know we're early today, but it's the normal lineup. Dustin Dopierak of the uh, Bloomington Herald-Times is going to be with us. Also, later in the show today, we'll be joined by Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, and we'll talk more about the semi-state coming up this weekend, and we'll cover some other local hoops topics as well. And that's the lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Also, the Thornton's text line is open. It's always nice to get your thoughts, your questions for our great guest. Comments on the Hoosiers. Maybe you want to sound off on the victory last night. 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. And all you got to do is open up your your text app on your phone, type in that number, 502-414-1450, and send me a message, and we'll work it in to the show here on this Wednesday edition of the program. And you can download the Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app today for great offers and uh, savings on fuel every day. And again, our Thornton's text line is open each and every day here on the program. And let's jump into some headlines today. I think we've got to start last night. Really a slow and methodical and ugly first half of basketball uh, at UD Arena last night in Dayton. Wasn't there, but boy, what a what an environment it was. You could tell a sold-out crowd there for the games last night. Uh, IU basically, when it comes to its crowd, a home game-like scenario for them. And Jackson Davis was really good, 29 points, 9 rebounds. I don't think there's any question about it. He was the best player in the game on the floor last night. But really, Jordan Geronimo's career-high 15 points coming off the bench stood out to me. The one other thing I want to go back to, and I heard somebody say this after the game last night, you know, there were have been a lot of games where Trace Jackson Davis has a big first half, and you don't hear a lot from him maybe in the second half. You know, maybe he goes from 15 first-half points, cut that in half to six or seven second-half points. Last night, 15 in one half, I think 14 in the other half. Uh, he was very consistent from start to finish. That's the type of performance it's going to take from Trace Jackson Davis for IU to continue to win NCAA tournament games. I know you can't ask too much from your superstar, <clears throat> from your big talent, but uh, consistent games, big number games uh, is what it's going to take from Trace last night. I thought he also did a solid job on the defensive end as well. 
And again, giving some more credit from Geronimo. I know he struggled to shoot the ball a little bit, but he he brings much more than 15 points to the game last night. He brought a lot of defense and energy uh, to the lineup as well. I, I'm not advocating for him to get in the starting lineup, uh, but I am. I, I do think he is a really good coming off the bench spark for this team in more ways than one. But a really good win for IU last night. Their defense was solid last night. Uh, in addition to <clears throat> Trace Jackson Davis and Geronimo, I thought Indiana dominated the offensive glass last night. And I think they're ready to play and ready to compete and may, maybe ready to beat and upset a, a good St. Mary's team. The big question to me is how do they respond from the turnaround, the travel, the 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 tournament environment? It just It's a tough stretch for them coming from three games and three days at the Big Ten tournament to now going out uh, to to Dayton, a, a short flight from from Bloomington or from Indianapolis where they flew out of, and now a long flight to Portland, getting some rest, uh, getting back in the swing of things. It's just never going to be normalcy uh, when you're in the NCAA tournament. So it will be interesting to see how they respond <clears throat> with everything that's been thrown at them here the last few days. Uh, but a big opportunity coming up later this week. And it with a game coming up against uh, St. Mary's. And we'll be previewing St. Mary's a little bit more coming up here over the next few days. Those are our headlines from last night to start this Wednesday edition of the program. We'll head to a commercial break. And when we come back, Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald Times will be my guest. He was at the game last night. He's getting ready to fly to Portland. Uh, we'll talk with him about that. We'll we'll run down last night. We'll start to peek ahead at St. Mary. Just a fun time. March Madness is here, and the Hoosiers are right in the middle of it. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back here on this Wednesday edition of the program. Dustin Dopirak is with us, even though we're early today due to KHSA Sweet 16 coverage coming up at 11 a.m. to talk all about this Hoosiers win last night in the play-in round over Wyoming. Wyoming. And, uh, Dustin, i tell you what, late, late night for you, and it's going to be a long day today, much like it was for the Hoosiers. After that big win, they were able to charter an NCAA flight out west and I think uh, just got there not uh, too long ago local time. Yeah, I think um, I want to say probably less than an hour. Uh, you know, I think uh, I just retweeted Trace Jackson Davis saying the Eagle has landed, and I think that was like 45 minutes prior to when I tweeted it. So I think it's, maybe they've been in Portland for an hour. And it's, it's remarkable, and again, I just think this is uh, – it's absurd to, to have teams playing in Dayton and then sending them to Portland and San Diego after that. Uh, that's where the winner of Rutgers-Notre Dame goes tonight is San Diego. It's really not to send that many teams to the West Coast from Dayton. But all the same, obviously, Indiana's just happy to be continuing playing. They're out there. You know, they have a crack at it. They're in you know, sort of the real main event 
uh, of the tournament, so obviously a big deal. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a long night for them. It's definitely going to be a long day for us. I don't even know when, what time we're getting to Portland. Yeah, I, I just it's hard to fathom uh, Dayton to Portland for a team in the play-in game. I know we're a little bit more sensitive to it because it's a team we cover, a team we follow. But, uh, you know, normally the NCAA is someone that makes student-athletes decisions uh, in, I think, a first-class manner. I think they run first-class events. Uh, this this was a little surprising to me, and I, I know there's plenty of topics to talk about in our time today. But again, I'm very surprised that that a Dayton to Portland path is even possible when there are so many other uh, locations much closer to the Midwest and much closer to Dayton that would have made sense for an easy flight or an easy bus ride. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think there's obviously sort of bracket principles involved that are important, and I, and I get it. Um, like, you know, you can't, you don't want to try to set up the potential for, uh, conference games as early as the second round. So, I mean, you couldn't have sent anyone to Milwaukee, uh, with Purdue and Wisconsin both hosting. So, you know, with, with a potential for both Rutgers, uh, and Indiana coming out of this, you couldn't have used those 11. Uh, but there were other options. I mean, I think, you know, you could have, uh, you know, moved Michigan someplace else. You could have sent Michigan to, um, you know, somewhere, you know, with the 11 seed, maybe San Diego with the 11 seed, and make that possible for Rutgers, Notre Dame, and Indianapolis. Or you could have sent, I think, the 12 uh, to uh, to play UConn uh, out in Buffalo, basically, where Arkansas is kind of the four seed in that bracket. Uh, there, there were options available to it. So I guess the, what I've been saying basically is, you can you can have, you have one or two choices. You can either be married to Dayton or you could be married to the S bracket. Uh, and and I think Dayton does a great job of hosting this event. I mean, it, it, it and I think it makes sense for it to continue to host the first first four. But if you're going to make Dayton a priority and not just decide to send the teams uh, early to go play in whatever location they're going to end up in, um, then I think you have to decide. You have to manipulate the bracket a little bit to make it so that you can uh, give these teams a manageable trip. And again, I mean, whether Indiana would have made it or not, I mean, Wyoming would have still gone from. Uh, if they had won, they'd, they'd be flying cross-country to get to Dayton and then flying cross-country back. Um, and, you know, Rutgers and Notre Dame is going to – whoever wins that game has got to fly out to San Diego. I mean, that's, that's, that's absurd. It's crazy. And I think I think whoever wins the 16th tonight has to fly uh, to San Diego, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong about that. Um, I think to play Arizona, if I'm not, I, I think that's right. And so um, it's just – it's. Just logistics just don't, don't make any sense, and you, I think it, it, you have to be willing to sort of break some of the other uh, bracket principles if you're going to continue to have this event in Dayton. All right, uh, Dustin Doperak of the Bloomington Herald Times, my guest. He was in Dayton last night and is headed to Portland uh, today to cover the Hoosiers on Thursday. Let's talk more about the game last night, and I know TJD was fantastic for the Hoosiers, but I actually want to start with Jordan Geronimo. I thought he uh, made a lot of uh, big plays, big shots for IU last night, and there was some concern coming into the game with what happened uh, at the Big Ten tournament. You know, would he be able to play, and was he at full strength, and would he be able to use the the athleticism fully that he has to help this team on defense or scoring or or getting to the basket? And I think that answer is yes. He he turned in a, a really big lift for IU last night to help get him over the hump. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think he said that he he even was surprised with how good he felt, with how much bounce he had. Uh, and, I mean, he he just didn't look like he was affected at all. Um, you know, obviously, uh, he missed the Iowa game and and um, you know was kind of settling on his way back. But uh, he said he he's you know felt good about it for weeks. But I mean, he was surprised at how high he was able to get up and the fact that it just didn't seem like he was limited uh, in any way. I mean, and just was such a game changer. I think because it really feels 
seemed like Wyoming was kind of prepared for everything else. Um, and I think, you know, we talked to Jeff Lindell afterwards, and he, he, he knew about Geronimo. He knew he was a big deal. Uh, Lindell watches a lot of Big Ten basketball, I think, for reasons of, like, just getting uh, ideas, basically, because the, like, Wyoming obviously plays a lot through the post. Um, and so he sees a lot of opportunity there in, in what the Big Ten does, various teams the Big Ten do. Um, so he he he'd seen a lot of Geronimo and he knew it existed, but you know he was concerned about sort of everything else. I mean, they they really did a good job of taking away the screen and roll. Not too many of those worked. There was one lob late in the game of Johnson to Jackson Davis. He was making sure not to um, you know give Miller Cop and Parker Stewart any any clean looks, and they didn't really have any, and, and they were 0 for four or 0 of 3 combined uh, from the field, and I think 2 of 8, uh, or, or from 3 and 2 of 8 from the field. Uh, so they, they really made the guards work. You know, Grace Thompson had a tough night. Uh, there was a lot of formulas that could have gone really well for Wyoming if Jordan Geronimo doesn't step up uh, and score like he did. Obviously, you know, this cleans up a couple of missed layups in transition. Uh, with tip dunks, hit one of two threes Indiana had all night uh, and just made such a difference on defense. I mean, only was, you know, uh, credited with one block shot. But he really altered so many. I mean, he just got up so high behind whoever was sort of uh, just taking Maldonado on the post up to, to alter some of his shots and, and got around on a couple, I think, on, on Iki maybe, and, and anybody else was trying to put one up in the paint. Uh, Geronimo was getting his hands up and making it so you had to shoot over top of him, and that's not easy to do. Ripped, just ripped a block away from Maldonado at one point. I mean, he was going up for a layup, and Geronimo just got over top of him and just took the ball away. Uh, was just unbelievable, and you saw just so many of the freak things that he's capable of with his wingspan and, and his leaping ability uh, that just make him a, a really, really tough guy to deal with on both ends. And, and just the, the spark he provided in that one uh, was a game changer because it's just, they, there were everybody else, with the exception of Jackson Davis, was struggling in some way, shape, or form. But Geronimo was able to ease a lot of that. I'll tell you what, Dustin, as I've watched Geronimo sometimes in small ways last night in a very big way, and on the biggest stage of an NCAA tournament play-in game. Uh, the more I think about Geronimo and IU and what their future lineup looks like, I know there's questions with recruiting and transfer portals and you know Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson. And there's questions with every team right now because of, of the transfer portal and COVID years. But the more I think about the future of IU basketball, the more I think Jordan Geronimo is going to be factoring that in a, in a big way. No, absolutely. I mean, I think if um... – you know, regardless of Thompson, Jack, Thompson and Jackson Davis stay or go, he's going to make a major impact. You have to think he'll get uh, even even more minutes next year if if, if they're both back. Uh, and if one of the two is gone, it's a game changer, uh, and, and he's going to have to step up, and he's going to be a starter. Uh, you know, frankly, um, obviously, I think Indiana fans have, have been sort of pining and hoping for him to, to be able to play the three so he could play with both of those guys together on the floor. I, I just don't think he's ready for that for a, from a ball handling perspective and from a perimeter defense perspective. Uh, he still gets out of position a little bit too much. I mean, he, he ended up getting switched on Maldonado a couple times because they were trying to use bigger bodies on him. Uh, and he looked a little bit lost in those circumstances, got really crossed up, and, and it didn't look good for him. But uh, he can do what he does it just phenomenally well. You know, they, like he he plays much bigger than he is, and he's just he does so many things you need a power forward to do. Uh, you know, can stretch the floor, hit enough threes to be able to to, to be dangerous in that regard. Uh, but just can get up and rebound and block shots. Just the leaping ability is just something else, and and, and the com- combination of that with the wingspan um, just takes up so much space. It's really hard uh, to shoot around the guy. It's really hard to rebound around the guy. Um, and just again, that that just makes just a huge impact. And so I, I think, yeah, he's. 
Uh, he, you know, if, if Jackson Davis and Thompson both leave, he instantly becomes their most important front court player. Yeah, no question. And, and if they're back, you add him into the fold, and it may be a different IU team next year than what we're currently thinking about. Talking with Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald Times. Um, other things from last night I wanted to, to bring up quickly before we get into St. Mary's here just a bit. I thought that IU's defense once again set the tone for the victory last night. Yeah, I know, absolutely. I mean, just did, there were so many sort of interesting things that I kind of want to go back and watch as to how they made this work. Uh, you know, getting Hunter Maldonado to turn the ball over 10 times. I, I know he's had some high turnover games in the past, but uh, still pretty wild. And because I mean, he just played such a controlled style of basketball, obviously does those sort of dribble, dribble back downs, basically, where he takes the ball from the perimeter, sort of turns his back a little bit and just pushes guys. Um, and he still ends up with 21 points and five assists. He did a lot of good things. Um, but they were able to get in his way. I mean, both, I, I thought, uh, you know, Parker Stewart and Miller Cop really get, uh, you know, chided for not being great defenders, and they're not. Um, but I thought they both did a good job of bodying him, uh, where, where I thought Mike Woodson did a good job of saying, all right, you know, have, have Xavier Johnson take him uh, until he gets screened. And when he does, let the, those guys take, um, you know, let, let Stewart and Cop take Maldonado when he tries to get o- over to sort of either elbow and either wing. Uh, and dribble in from there and just, just sort of take the body shots from there. Those guys are, you know, both sort of thicker body, Stewart especially. Uh, and they did a good job, I thought, of not backing down and just keeping him away from the rim long enough for him to make a mistake. Uh, and he made made enough of them, which isn't, you know, again, isn't normal for him necessarily, but he's kept putting the ball on the carpet or they brought traps over uh, and found ways of taking the ball from him. Obviously, Maldonado was the guy that could really beat you. Uh, and they did a good job, I think, of, of making his life difficult and also bringing shot blockers behind him to alter his shots when he was trying to, you know, just, uh, take a shot over whoever was defending him primarily. I mean, they, they made it uh, difficult with both Geronimo and Jackson Davis and even Thompson uh, to get the ball over him because he would come, they would just come up and just force him to go higher with the shot. I thought he probably had some misses that way. They did a good job of chasing shooters. I mean, even though uh, Wyoming ultimately hit more threes uh, than, than Indiana did, uh, going 6 of 19, they made it difficult on their main guys. I mean, Jeffries and Wenzel were combined 1 of 11. Uh, and that, I think, made life a, little, a lot tougher. Uh, one of 12 would be Count Cell, who also hits a bunch of threes. They did a good job of really defending those, getting out to those, uh, you know, trailing shooters. So I, I think there were just a, a lot of important pieces. And they rebounded the ball well. It was 39-30 final, and they gave up seven offensive rebounds, uh, only six second-chance points, a lot of key pieces there. Never, you know, Wyoming doesn't really like to get out and run, but they, they, they did 16 fast-break points to zero on that. Uh, so, yeah, no, I mean, Indiana did a, did a tremendous job defensively. Obviously, that's been the most important thing for them all year um, and, you know, really showed up again when they when they needed it to move on into the main part of the NCAA tournament. All right, Dustin Dopirak is my guest. Dustin is with us uh, from Dayton and the uh, site of the first four last night and again tonight, some more games in Dayton. Let's look ahead to IU's next opponent out in Portland. It's a St. Mary's team that plays in the same conference as Gonzaga, uh, a quality ball club year in and year out. They're no stranger to the NCAA tournament, and IU, I think, has a really big challenge on its hands. No matter how good the Hoosier defense is or how good the offense is playing right now, uh, they're going to need some three balls to fall, which is was another issue last night. Uh, they're going to need some, some help there to beat this St. Mary's ball club. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a place where you really got to beat them because they make it really hard to score uh, inside. I think they're, they're uh, 66th in two-point field goal percentage. I, th- I think they're uh, 231st uh, in three-point field goal percentage. Uh, looking at the Ken Palm uh, 
page right now, but they are ninth total in adjusted defensive efficiency. It's a big deal. Uh, they make it difficult for you to get offensive rebounds. I think they're, they're fourth you know, in offensive rebound percentage, uh, basically, for their opponents. Uh, so they don't give up a lot of those. Uh, they can turn you over um, and you know, just, just overall make it difficult on you. They play at really slow pace. Uh, especially, uh, you know, basically on offense, it makes it tough to, you know, just limits possessions. Um, I think they're 327th in average, average possession length, so they really take the time with the basketball. Uh, 338th in tempo overall, so it's just tough to get them sped up. Uh, they, they play, you know, play smart basketball. Um, they don't score like they used to, um, but they, they still can put some on the board. I mean, they're 62nd in adjusted offense. Uh, offensive efficiency um, you know beat Gonzaga up um, you know pretty good obviously at you know 10 points basically at home when they played them um, so they can they can deal with real real good competition again like you said they're no stranger to these situations uh, gave Wisconsin a real game this year beat Oregon they're capable of certainly taking on and beating major conference opponents and uh, Gonzaga basically at this point is a major conference opponent so they're used to playing big deal teams uh, they're not going to be afraid on this they obviously have less travel issues uh, this week than Indiana does. So um, definitely a, a tough out for sure that they've got coming up, that Indiana has coming up. All right, talking with Dustin Dopirak, I also wanted to bring up Trace Jackson Davis. He had a monster performance last night. I don't know that his game has developed in other areas like people maybe uh, thought or what Coach Woodson and, and he discussed when he decided to return to IU for this season, but Trace Jackson Davis is really good at, at, at what he's good at, and even though the season is still going and this IU team is dancing for the first season and many, I constantly hear from fans, you know, do you think Trace will come back? Do you think Trace has developed himself into an NBA-level pros- prospect that could get drafted legitimately in the first or second round? Is it worth him testing the waters this offseason? And I think it's definitely worth him testing the waters, but just following some of the early NBA stuff out there, I'm not sure that he still at this point is – a uh, legitimate prospect to be drafted. What's your take on things, and how how much improvement have you seen? I mean, you, you're there every game. You follow him up close and personal. How much improvement have you seen in his in his game this season? I mean, I, I've seen a good bit. I, I think the the issue is he didn't improve in certain ways uh, that that were I don't want to go so far as to say promised, um, but. You know, basically, you know, Mike Woodson obviously said, you know, he's going to shoot jump shots. And if he doesn't shoot jump shots, I'm going to bench him. Um, and that hasn't really happened. Obviously, he had like a 16-footer against uh, Illinois, and that was a big deal. Um, that was that was a big moment. You're like, whoa, where has that been? Um, no, now, part of that, I think, is, is how they've had to manipulate the offense around for the rest of the players. I think he, um, you know, I, I, I think why he's even looking at it more is because they're playing more pick and roll, which puts him more in sort of high ball screen situations as opposed to just, posting up because when you're posting up on the low block i mean what you got to go backwards and take a jump shot um so i think that was sort of part of the issue and, and so you don't really know if he's gotten better as a jump shooter but i think he's better with his right hand and he's a lot better passer obviously i think just showing off uh the shot blocking ability makes a difference uh to the nba um so i mean i i, I could see it going a lot of different ways i mean i know i saw it it's not a huge deal, but I saw a tweet from Mike Schmidt, who obviously is a pretty good expert on this sort of thing, uh, that said Jackson Davis really helped himself with the Big Ten tournament. Obviously, there was a lot of decision makers there. I know uh, uh, Bob Myers, the uh, general manager of the Golden State Warriors, and Mike Dunleavy, um, one of the assistant GM, he used to be a stud at Duke, uh, was there um, right behind me uh, in Indianapolis. So, I mean, people that matter saw uh, how Trace did. So, obviously, him stepping up against big time competition against a guy like Kofi Coburn. 
Um, and I thought that was a big deal. And, and Hunter Dickinson as well. Those are certainly guys that you would think are uh, NBA prospects for sure, whether it's this year or next year. Um, so they, uh, he's definitely helping himself. But I think, like you said, he probably, uh, I think it's important for him to test the waters, go out there and find out exactly if, if he's not good enough right now. Uh, what he needs to do, and again, I, I mean, obviously, I, I I think the jump shot obviously is an issue, but you know, you a, 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 somebody on Twitter pointed this out for me, so I, I sort of am married to these two names when I make these uh, comparisons. But you know, there are you know, for as much as it seems like, uh, and it is true that the NBA has has gone more to three point shooting. It's become much much more important, even for guys that are bigger. Uh, and, and especially power forwards are usually expected to make jump shots at this point. There are still power forwards and, and small ball centers in the league uh, that don't necessarily take or make a lot of threes. They rebound, they block shots, they score around the rim, uh, and they're still valuable. A guy like Tristan Thompson, a guy like uh, Montrez Harrell, um, have stuck around when they don't take or make a lot of threes, where it's like, I mean, I think between the two of them, uh, they might not have 20 threes in their careers, uh, and they've been playing for several years now. Um, so it's possible for Jackson Davis to, to make an impact someplace uh, without having to take a lot of jump shots. Uh, you know, there's probably more he needs to show. He's probably got to be tougher around on the glass um, to be able to do that. But it, it, it's not out of the question. Uh, I, I would say, especially with NIL being what it is, that it's not a situation where he has to go to get paid. Um, there is uh, He has, I think, more reason to stick around. Um, and, I, and I wouldn't think that he would go if he's not um, – I don't think he has to be a first-round pick for sure, but I think he'd have to feel pretty safe that he's going to the top 40 picks, uh, and that that you know that that he he can trust that he's going to have a roster spot um, somewhere in the NBA next season. It's not going to be a constant shuttle back and forth between uh, the NBA and the G League, and he's not going to be sort of you know roped full time into the G League. Um, but you know, it, it, he has put himself in a position where it certainly makes sense to do the combine, um, you know, to uh, you know, go get some workouts, get some feedback, you know, on-site feedback, uh, as opposed to just putting his name in and, and waiting for numbers to come out. I think you have to think he'd get a combine invite, um, and then he'd get some, something real tangible to be able to take back uh, and say, this is what i got to do as a senior to get drafted. All right, Dustin, I've got to squeeze this in, and I've got about two minutes for you before we got to get the break, but I'm curious – and I've had a number of people pose this question to me as well, and I'm, I'm sorry I didn't get it on earlier. Parker Stewart last night, 35 minutes. Tamar Bates, I thought he had a good stretch in the first half and then didn't play in the second half. I think you can make arguments about other players as well. What, what was up with 35 minutes from Parker Stewart last night with the way that he's been playing and specifically the way he's been shooting the ball for IU? It's, it's, it's not been good. Yeah, no, I, I, I want to, uh, and I don't even know if we're going to make the press conference today, but I want to get more of this from Woodson. Like I mentioned earlier, and I do think this is important, that um, he, he, he bodied up Maldonado relatively well, and I don't know that uh, um, Woodson trusts um, Tamar Bates to do that. Uh, Tamar Bates is skinnier, for one thing. I mean, just the just body types, and I think it's, it's probably a 20-pound, 30-pound difference between Bates and Stewart right now, and that made uh, Stewart, I think, a lot more uh, capable of, of handling the blows that he was going to take from Maldonado. Uh, that, I think, is the biggest case. And I think he also just trusts. Woodson, I think, just has a trust in veterans uh, that he doesn't have in, 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 in freshmen and sophomores. He just trusts the overall basketball IQ. And Stewart obviously made a bad play on 
uh, the, the four-point play, or it didn't end up being a four-point play. I think he missed the free throw, but a three-pointer by uh, Maldonado that he knocked down. That was that was a key moment, and that was good for him. He's not shooting the ball well at all. Um, and he's not a great defender laterally. He's not a guy that moves really well. If you have a faster player, he's got to have he's going to have a hard time uh, dealing with him. But you know, I, I think he's improved as a defender a lot this year. Where I think he was a complete liability earlier. He's got to the point where he can at least handle some people. He's not locking you down. He'd much rather have Galloway out there. But Galloway also got in foul trouble. Uh, you know, when he was dealing with Maldonado stuff. So uh, I, I think Stewart was a guy that he trusted more to pick up Maldonado on those switches. And I think that's the biggest reason why. And I, I kind of want to go back and see how effective he ultimately was. But I think, uh, I think that's you know, if, if you ask Mike Woodson, I'd like to if we get out to Portland and do it. Um, I think that's the answer he would get. All right, Dustin Dopierak with great stuff. Dustin, appreciate your work, man. Great, uh, great work from the game last night. I know it's a tight turnaround. Uh, I really appreciate you squeezing us in here in a very busy, hectic time for. Uh, you as well. I'm not sure people realize for media that are at these games that this turnaround affects you guys as well. Appreciate what you're doing. Uh, safe travels to Portland, and we look forward to reading your coverage from there. Yeah, this is kicking our butts for sure, but thanks so much, Matt. <laughs> Absolutely. Dustin Dopirak, kind enough to join us even earlier than normal here on this Wednesday edition of the program. We'll head to a real quick commercial break. When we come back, Josh Cook of the News and Tribune is with me. Uh, to talk some local sports. we got Providence in the semi-state uh, coming up on Saturday. Also, Texter writes in, wanted to squeeze this in, JG and TJD, I say no more, Hoosiers baby. I hear you, Jordan Geronimo and Trace Jackson Davis, a heck of a duo last night in the first four win over Wyoming. We're back after a quick break. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach, who got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. Back, final segment here on this Wednesday program. Uh, Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, going to be with us here in just a moment. This segment brought to you by Major League Shirt Company. They offer custom apparel to meet all of your needs, including T-shirts, uniforms, corporate wear, and promotional items. Let Major League Shirt Company outfit your team or organization today. You can visit mlshirtco.com to find out more. That's mlshirtco.com to find out more. Just saw that the uh, 2022 Jordan Brand National Game uh, All-Star teams have been announced. No real representation from the state of Indiana. There was a player that plays at uh, Lalamere Academy up in LaPorte, J.J. Starling, who's going to Notre Dame, that's in the game. But the uh, real connection here and the real reason for IU fans to watch this game on April 15th is Jalen hood Shafino, four shooting guard, 200 pounds, Montverde Academy from down in Florida, who obviously is committed to the Hoosiers. And uh, people expect really big things from him when he gets to IU next season. You start to think about maybe a return of a trace-race combo, maybe one, maybe both. You think about Jordan Geronimo now coming to the fold. I think Tamar Bates, there's some potential for him. Jalen Hood-Shafino, and I'm leaving out others. I mean, there, there's some real intrigue 
about this IU roster in the future, but it all depends on, I think, what uh, Trace and Race do for the future uh, next season. Uh, with us now, Josh Cook for a quick chat on some local sports. Josh, great time of year. We've got Providence in the semi-state on Saturday. We had a tremendous weekend of regional basketball last Saturday. And then yesterday we got word that uh, Kennedy Mason Stryverson of Silver Creek fresh off another deep state tournament run with the Dragons, has been named to the Indiana Girls All-Star team. So I know we're focused on IU in the, in the NCAA tournament now, but there's been a lot of good stuff happening on our local basketball scene as well. Heck yeah, plenty of, plenty of good stuff going on, plenty of good stuff uh, you know, still going on. Still got Providence this weekend, but yeah, it was great to see, uh, great to see Kennedy make the All-Star team. You know, she's a... Uh, you know, you've had several opportunities to talk to her, and she's just a great young lady, and you know that's that's great for her and great for Silver Creek. So, you know, uh, only the third girl ever to to make the All Star team from Silver Creek, so that's just that's just outstanding, and that's you know that's awesome, and yeah, it's it's uh, it's exciting time, that's for sure. You also had a story uh, that's uh, set for today's paper, I believe, about uh, a lot of locals that are going to be playing in a national tournament, the NAIA National Tournament, uh, which takes place in uh, Kansas City, Missouri at Municipal Auditorium later this week. Uh, 16-team tournament. It's amazing the connections local or even back to our state. There's a lot of Indiana connections as a whole. Take us through some of the connections in the NAIA tournament that have national championship hopes at their respective level this week. Yeah, they they had to. Had to win two games last weekend and kind of the opening round of the tournament. So now they they did that tournament a little bit different this year. And now they're it's just the sixty four teams there in Kansas City, or I mean sixteen teams, excuse me, there in Kansas City. Whereas before I think it was, was thirty two or something, maybe even sixty four. I can't remember. But anyway, but yeah, uh, the two kids from Jeff, the Daryl Baker and uh, Jacob Jones, and then Julian Hunter from New Albany are are all representing uh, this area out there. Uh, uh, Daryl is, is playing at Talladega. Um, I think he's been in college for about ten years now. But uh, uh, you know, it gets 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 great for him to still be able to play college basketball. You know, that's awesome that he's still able to do that. I know, uh, you know, he's got he's wanted to play uh, pro ball, so hopefully maybe this will give him a chance to to go overseas or something like that. So you know, uh, and then Jacob Jones is in his first year at uh, Thomas More and. Um, in Kentucky, he played his freshman his freshman year at uh, uh, Wisconsin Green Bay, and then transferred obviously uh, to Thomas More. And they're actually, um, I think they're a number two seed in their bracket, but they're they're the fifth ranked team in the country. And then Talladega with Daryl Baker's a uh, sixth ranked team in the country. So, uh, you know, I think they both have have good shots of, of maybe making it to uh, at least the quarterfinals. You know, maybe even the semifinals. Who knows? That's great. And then. Uh, you know the the hero of last weekend was Julian Hunter, who plays for IU Kokomo. Hit just a hit a, hit a tough off balance little jumper at the buzzer to beat the number one team in the country last week in Iowa, last Saturday night in Iowa. So that was uh, that was that was unbelievable to see uh, for Julian. That was great. He only played two minutes off the bench in the in Friday night's game, but then in Saturday night's uh, final, he came off of the bench. I think he played twenty something minutes and scored. Uh, eight points and so uh, you know those, those three guys right there have got a chance and then there's other representation out there uh, as you mentioned from from uh, from the state of Indiana a couple other teams from a few other teams from Indiana are out there and uh, you know it, it's exciting
exciting uh, to see them go on and do that. And then I know we've got uh, uh, Kobe Barnes and Sean East are both playing in the National Junior College Tournament. And I think they they tip off at maybe 1, yeah. 1 p.m. this afternoon. So, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's coming up right around the corner. And then I know we've got uh, uh, Kelsey Taylor, who played at New Albany uh, a few years ago. She is actually plays for trying, uh, you know, the – the school in Indiana, Division Three school, and they're actually in the national semifinals in Division Three. So, you know, uh, and they play. They might play today or tomorrow. I can't remember. I'm sorry. I should have known. But uh, uh, that's uh, that's another another great. She starts for trying, so that's a great uh, great accomplishment for her too, as well as that, as well as that program. You know, that's that's great to see. Great stuff. Great updates on uh, some locals. Great story on Julian Hunter as well. He's one of my favorite. Uh, kids here locally that uh, you, you get to know and follow at the college level, and he he really had not been getting all that much uh, playing time for IU Kokomo, and to see him come up so big in the tournament and hit the big shot you mentioned a week uh, a week ago or last weekend was was great for him, a, a product of the uh, New Albany High School basketball program. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, is my guest. I got to get your thoughts here. We're going to have Ryan Miller on a Twitter Spaces tonight to preview the semi-state 9 o'clock if you follow me at Hoosier Hills on Twitter. But your thoughts on this Providence team and this uh, game against Eastern Hancock on Saturday, by all accounts, it should be two things. A great challenge for Providence. I think Eastern Hancock's really good. And know, knowing what we know about Providence and their defense and, and how they've been playing here in the tournament, I think it's going to be a really competitive game as well. So I'm expecting a thriller in Seymour. Yeah, I, I would uh, definitely agree. I think it's going to be, uh, you know, should be a good game. I definitely, I definitely think Providence has a chance. You know, like you said, uh, Eastern Hancock's a tough, a tough opponent. I know they, they like to shoot the three. Uh, apparently they're pretty quick and, uh, you know, uh, well, Providence will have to have to get out there and try to stop uh, stop the three ball, but uh, it should be a really good game and uh, it should be an exciting game too. So, you know, I hope hopefully everybody can make the drive up to Seymour. You know, they got they got um, you know they get to play there. I, I don't know if Providence has ever played uh, um, a postseason game there, so that's really exciting for them uh, uh, to get that opportunity to play so close to home. So, um, you know, all the fans can make the short drive up there so uh you know and it should be a great atmosphere i know north davies is going to play before that unfortunately borden uh that, that could have been borden but uh, borden unfortunately couldn't make it but uh that you know that'll be a great should be a great opportunity for providence and should be a great crowd up there on saturday at seymour all right josh cook sports editor of the news and tribune this segment brought to you by major league shirt company they can help if you're looking to raise money for your team or event let major league shirt companies online fan stores work for you Outfit fans and raise money with very little effort. Major League even does the sorting. All you've got to do is cash the check. You can find out more at mlshirtco.com. And that's going to wrap things up for today. Don't forget, we're early again tomorrow at 10 a.m. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.